Welcome to True Health Live. We explore and acknowledge basic truths in public health. If you're a student or a public health professional or just plain curious about public health in general, then this is the place for you. Join us. Greetings. We are live. Welcome to episode 14 of True Health Live. I am joined by my co-host, Precious Stephanie, healthcare executive, and Anushka Gopalal, public health professional. Alia will be with us shortly. She had a family event that is so awesome, which we'll be talking about in future episodes. So right now, it's just the three of us. And today, we are going to be talking about health equity. It's something that everybody's talking about. It's all over public health, the public health zeitgeist and universe. It came to the forefront with COVID, and we've always been saying that COVID did not invent the issue of health disparities and put it, and, and you know, it just kind of shone a light on the health inequities that are present. So we just want to have like a candid conversation about health um, inequities or health equity, as you will, to, um, okay, <laughs> I thought we had movement in the chat. Um, so we just want to have a, a chat, you know, this is where everyone is. So thank you for joining us, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, or Facebook, because I think it's on two Facebook channels. But if you are on Facebook, make sure to come on over to the YouTube space and subscribe to the True Health Live channel, and we can talk to you there. If there are any comments or whatever, you know, we'll definitely engage in real time. So ladies, um, what's up? You know, let's, let's chat about this health equity. We know what it is, right? It is making sure that not that people have equal, let's be clear about e equality and equity. Equal means the same amount, but health equity is ensuring that everyone has what they need to access, you know, healthy living lifestyles, to access what they need to achieve and maintain the highest levels of health. So, you know, I, I'm curious to know, like, how you ladies, because I always start off and I'm, like, doing this talk and monologue. You guys take it over. Like, what is happening? Um, you know, what have you noticed? So what are some of the things that you want to share when it comes to health equity in your respective fields um, within public health? What have you been doing? Sure. So maybe I'll jump in. Um, I'm happy that we're, you know, digging into health equity. Um, it, it, in my mind, it always links with the idea of social determinants for health. Um, and I wanted to just I, at least outline what some of those social determinants are, right? So the access to um, nutritious food, to housing, um, level of education, and access to adequate education are just a few. Um, the healthcare services that are available in your area all of these things contribute to, you know, the social determinants for health, which then leads to um, how how well or how equitable the health in your area is probably going to be. So I wanted to kind of give that as like a bucket that we can kind of build on or, or add a, additional things into. Um, and then I'll get into, of course, what that looks like in the mental health arena. Anishka? Hi, everybody. Um, what haven't we seen, right, in, in regards to the in, in inequities? Um, I think I'll, I'll just focus in on the pandemic since we're in that time right now. Um, but during this time, what I've witnessed um, on a larger level for like community is really just the access 
to to healthcare providers because at one point, you know, we were we were all in the house. We couldn't get to our doctors. Um, telemed for some was just so brand new. People could not navigate through it. Um, and for, especially for like our elders, um, you know, who are not so tech savvy and getting on the, the, the video chat or even just the phone call, it's, it took away that personal experience. Um, and some just didn't feel like they were getting the adequate care that they, they, they wanted, they needed, and they deserved. Um, and so when things started to open back up, I feel, you know, they, they were thrilled to, to get back in the office. But then when you got in the office, because, you know, all of the guidelines and so forth, a lot of times what I heard was that folks would be in doctor's offices just waiting for like hours on out. And then when you finally get to see a doctor, it's not always your own doctor that you've been accustomed to seeing. It's like everyone is scattered everywhere trying to get you here, trying to get you there. And then when you do get in front of them, it's like a quick run through. It's mm-hmm. not taking your time and really asking questions. How are you doing? How have you dealt with these things? How have you coped? What's going on? What's new? Because I haven't seen you X amount of time. Um, so it's like the process has just been rushed. So it went from not seeing a doctor to then finally being in front of one or a provider, I should say. Um, and then the process was just like that. So it's in and out, in and out, in and out. So where's the quality of care? Um, the people were getting. Um, And I I emphasize on the elders because I think like they are so vulnerable, especially with if when they have all these chronic diseases. Um, And those were the folks that I was talking to and I I heard from. Um, And so I was just so surprised that the care was not given on a much more, like had more personal and more more tentative for them. Um, because they needed so much and they have so many questions. Um, not to say others didn't, but I think, you know, you have to use your discretion and take things a little bit slower um, for certain folks, especially if they have multiple um, illnesses that they're dealing with. And I just think overall, I, I think overall, when people were able to talk to, 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 to their providers and whatnot, it's, it was still a, a curveball. So it's a lot of getting through all the, the things that have happened and transpired um, and really just getting to the nitty gritty. Um, and it was it was tough getting appointments because everybody was getting back to it at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it became a little tough just to even get in front of somebody or on the phone to get you there. Yeah. You mentioned like the telehealth. We check out episode 13, which talks about talking telehealth. And you know, not you're right. Not everyone had the resources to access telehealth. Like you know, Precious and I went over you know the fact that the idea of telemedicine, um, which people use interchangeably, interchangeably between telehealth and telemedicine, but telemedicine is the actual um, use of like technological services, and telehealth is usually like the actual platform. But, you know, definitely check out that episode where we go, go really deep into it. But we went over the fact that the idea of telemedicine is not new. It is, you know, the pharmacist and the doctor speaking on the phone, calling in pharmac- uh, calling in your meds and you going to pick up or, you know, all of those, you know, tele, you know, those uh, correspondences via telephone and things like that or things that have been faxed or whatever. 
So the idea of telemedicine is not new, but the the depth into which we're using it now and the, the integration of like more like as technology advances, that's what's changing. But not everybody elderly don't necessarily use the computer, the internet in the same way that younger people do. Um, and also depending on which generation you are, you're not using like how many people who are now millennials are all over like TikTok and things like that. Like, you know, we kind of come into it a little bit late. We're probably on it. We're definitely on it, but we, we're not as you know quick to the draw like Gen Z is, you know? So everybody's kind of like at their own speed and not everybody has the resources as well. So like, you're right. Like the telemedicine is a big, a big deal. But Precious, you mentioned something about um, like the housing, like this is like such a big deal. So, and I know like, you know, with the um, facility that you work at the hospital, like housing is something, a part of the things that you um, have like kind of in your purview. Can you, you know, elaborate on some of those things? Sure. So when we think about social determinants for health, which is one of the, the it's a contributor for health towards health equity. So working with the, the SMI population or the significantly mentally ill population, um, there's housing bias, right? Um, it's kind of like working with the criminal justice population or in some communities working with people of color. Um, it's like not in my neighborhood. We don't want it here. We don't want them here. Um, and so a big challenge has always been uh, advocating for policy changes and incentives to ensure that the mentally ill population have uh, adequate opportunity to housing, that they don't have to stay in a residential facility that's maybe state operated or operated by a local nonprofit organization only because there is a dearth of appropriate housing in the community to support their needs. Um, so that's one example. Uh, but to kind of take it to, I guess, maybe to make it more relatable to those that may not suffer with mental illness or have loved ones that do, um, we, we can just think about the appropriate equitable housing in um, in some of our neighborhoods. You know, when you, when you think about, I mean, I used to live in Brooklyn. And when I think about what housing what the options were in Brooklyn then, I'll say in the 90s or early 2000s, and then me, me visiting Brooklyn now and those same buildings that were $500, $600 a month for rent are now $2,500, $3,000. It's like you can't even get into these apartments yeah. anymore. So where do you live? But then with the proliferation of... Um, folks moving from Manhattan into Brooklyn and creating the opportunity for greater rent. Then you see an infusion of healthcare systems and whole, you know, healthy food options and, you know, farmers markets. Those are the things that contribute to social determinants for health and well-being. So when you see those things kind of move with the population, it gives you a sense of what's needed for us all to have equitable access to health care. So yeah. I, I want to make it like real life. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, and it also shows the people um, that were there, because let's call it what it is. A lot of that is the result of um, neighborhoods being gentrified. And, you know, it shows the people that are there like, oh, this is what you really thought of us. So we don't get the healthy foods until others move in, you know? So there's a value placed on people based on, you know, 
what their culture is, what they look like. And we know that that's, that's what it is. And so then, you know, how do we, how do we have those conversations with people who are benefiting? Because the truth is, it's not just people who are not people of color who are benefiting. Sometimes if you are part of that group that is fortunate enough to make a certain amount of money, you're kind of moving in that circle too. Like, let's, let's, let's be honest and call it what it is. Yes, it is more overwhelmingly people who are less melanated who are benefiting, but some people who are in a different economic bracket because you know a lot of it has to when we talk about social determinants of health a lot of it has to do with um also socioeconomic status that's all kind of like wrapped in there into one and you know there are people who are melanin rich or melanin dominated who do um fit into the high socioeconomic status brackets you know because they there's the education there's the income we're going to talk about the debt but there's the education and there's the income so, you know, you are able to kind of take advantage of, you know, this booming housing market, all these houses that are for sale, even though um, there's like not enough to go around and like it, it's it's kind of like we're backward. Um, there's also, you know, apartments that you're able to like maybe, you know, New York City has a lottery. Maybe your number's coming up in the lottery a little bit more. Um, I remember like having at least two to three lottery hits and it was like okay well here's the rent and i was like are you serious like whose problem is affordable I'm like what <laughs> what are you talking about but um it doesn't mean that i wasn't able to afford it it was more like you know what are my what my choices are you know i had the option of refusing it right but not everybody has the option of doing that you know they kind of just can go where they can afford so yeah like it really shows like the kind of value you put on the people when you don't have this equitable way of housing, um, you know, shelter, you know, what people need, food, clothing, shelter, and this is shelter. So it shows me like how much you value me, you know? And a lot of the time when we, we saw during COVID, these are the people who were keeping the city going a lot of the time. These were your frontline people. Not all of them had medical workers. These were your garbage men. These were the people that worked for utility companies. And it's like, they're keeping everything going, but this is how you value them. So, you know, that's maybe another show. Maybe we'll have, we'll invite, you know, someone who is on the front lines every day. Because some, let's, let's be real. Some people never stopped working. And we're not just talking about people who are in the medical and health field. Right, right. Some people, ne I never stopped, but... You know, some people were like still at work, like not even just like working from home. Some people were still out in the streets, still out. Yes. You can't see my arm, but it's going over there. Still out in the streets. So, you know, we have to be really, really um, cognizant of like how they, you know, how they're valued and how they even perceive how they're valued. So, yeah. And all yeah. of that feeds into health equity. That feeds into the psyche, to the mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, how a person, and if they're stressed out, it feeds into how they eat, how they continue eating habits and, and whatnot. So, yeah, these are all things we have to think about. Absolutely. And that just goes into whole, like, like it's all different levels, right, of the impact that all this makes. And in terms of like, you know, the community and the housing, can, can you just imagine that you grow up in a particular, like Brooklyn, We'll say Brooklyn. You grow up. You you grew up in the neighborhood. Your parents grew up there. Your grandparents grew up there. So like a whole family, right? A whole bloodline was raised in that particular community, um, and then got driven out, 
right? And then you see yeah. all these newcomers coming in and taking over, and now you have all these options of mm-hmm. a better lifestyle, better living, better eating. And it, it's a, it is a slap in the face. Like here we are, all these generations in, um, and you've made it so expensive that we can't even stay here. And you know what? Another thing is to get more people to come in. What they what I saw that the, that they were doing. Um, one of my daughter's friends mentioned it. They're like buying families out at a you know particular dollar amount, and you know what I mean. But then when you think about it, if I've lived here, my family's lived here for over fifty years, right? So we're kind of, and some people have already owned their homes. But if you decide to take that money and move, you're like, okay, but now you gotta face what market value is if you buy or go into an apartment now. And it's just like, is it even worth it? Because, and they do all these things to, to like, you know, to, to get you to buy in and, and whatnot, but it's beyond just a slap in the face. It's so insulting. And and the fact is like, we're, we're, we're raising the issues, we're talking about it, um, but it's what what do we need to do to to prevent this? What protection do we protect those people who have been there for generations on out? Um, how can we change this so they don't get ridden out? You know, like it happened in Harlem. You know, it's happening everywhere. It is, and and it's it's just like all right, enough is enough. Like you, it's so so unfair. Um, and yeah, and and so and one thing always leads to another, right? Because if you if you're worried about rent or you're worried about losing your home because of the gentrification and all these different changes, you're stressed out. Stress leads to to you know illness, or you know you can start people start eating because you know you that's the way you cope, and then obesity, and you know what I mean. Like it's all these different things that trickle down. It's not just one and it stops there. It just and it and it doesn't stop with just you. It goes on to your family. Like if you're a, if a parent and your children mimic what they see, you know. Um, and if you're the one preparing the food, then it goes down to them because whatever you eat, they eat type of thing, you know. So it's it's it takes a, a toll on every on the whole family, not just one. Um, and that's when things start going downhill. And then I think even deeper, I'm like, well, was this the plan to begin with? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Just to take us out one by one and like level by level. So it, it's it's a lot that we think about that we have a lot of work that we have to do, but we continue to do this work. When, when is it that we are going to make like a solid change and stop the BS, you know, and make it equitable. Oh, I'm sorry. I think that was such a great question that you posed um, at the end and, 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 and earlier in your, in what you just said, it's like, how do we stop it? Right. As I listen to you kind of go from generation to generation and yet the point where perhaps you own your home. And so you're not really, you know, thinking about your property value. You may not be thinking about, you know, what the market value is. Um, And I remember someone said to me years ago, you know, when someone considers selling, think about whether you can buy that piece of property back in one or two years with the money you would have gotten? And and the answer is always going to be no, because um, if you're in a thriving, if, if your property is in an area that's thriving, your value is consistently increasing. Even if it takes dips, it's going to continue to increase. And it's interesting that we're going all of what might seem like all over the map with a discussion on health equity, but I like how you connected it to 
stress and, you know, depression and increased blood pressure and all of the things that take one thing and then it kind of feeds into all of the health challenges that we'll, we can we can dig into. Um, and just for the, the audience, I wanted to just kind of, uh, again, give a sense of what health equity is. To me, to me, this isn't a formal definition, but it was just something that based on listening to us all discuss, it's like it's an equitable, equitable distribution of services based upon need. So mm-hmm. equality, right, is just saying, well, you get one doctor, you get one doctor, you get one doctor. Everything's right. fine, right? What's the big deal? Except I have 12 health care. I have 12, 12 health issues. That one doctor is not a specialist for those, for, the, for all of my, all of the things that ail me. You have you know, a litany of problems and challenges with maybe work. So you're, you know, that one doctor isn't going to help manage your stress or be the therapy that you need. And perhaps Anushka is the only one who really benefits from that one doctor. So that is the difference. And hopefully you get the picture I'm trying to paint. That's the difference between equity and equality. Mm-hmm. Um, we, your, the services need to be rendered in an equitable fashion based on the need or the preponderance of needs that one has or community has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So you know, there's those drawings. And I'm sure at this point, a lot of people have seen them. Like mm-hmm. I've seen the, the apple tree and the baseball field, you know, um, there was one time I was I was watching like the Oscars or something, and they actually had like a very subliminal message about equity, where they had the, these two. It was a year that I guess like these these movies came out where there was two young actors that were, they were in movies that had both been nominated, I think, for like best film. So you know, like they had people come out and present. So they were the two young kids, and one child was like very little. And the other one was tall. Like they might have been around the same age, but you know, one is taller. So the way the height that the microphone was at, one of them could reach it. So Chris Rock, I think, who was host at the time, he comes out with a little box, like a step stool box. One for both of them. He adjusts the mic at the height to this equal height. One gets a smaller box, the taller um, young young boy. And the one who was the tiniest, he gets the, the bigger one. And so at that point, when they both step on their individual boxes, they both reach the mic at the same height. And I was like, this is like perfect. I'm like, why? This was, and it was an example, like a real life example of equity, like in action and how we make it happen. Whether it was health equity or any, it was just ec- equity. And I was like, that was very subliminal. I wonder why they weren't just more overt about it. Or maybe it was overt, but like there just wasn't any kind of preface to it he just came out with the boxes and I was like that's interesting that they did that I think I recorded it it might be like way back in the Instagram file somewhere <laughs> I don't know but you know it, it just goes to show that like not everybody needs the same amount nobody needs the same amount you know because we're all inherently different so what we individually need is going to be different so you can't give everybody the same amount of something you know um yeah uh, there was something that, that one of you mentioned I wanted to kind of go into the hypertension, like, you know, the, the, the you know, the, the kind of the, the, the negative health outcomes that come from like the stressors of like housing, you know, this is where we get into like the health equity 
um, and like what it kind of breeds, right? So when we think about like the stressors, like what happens, you know, you, like you said in this, like you eat more. I was like, you know, you smoke more. Then like what happens with depending on what you eat and we know like some of those things create hypertension. We know that smoking is a risk factor for, for stroke um, and heart disease and cancer. So what, and we know that heart disease uh, is the number one killer of Americans, right? Of people in the U.S. and especially Black men. So when we think about like you know the inequities of that, and then they die more from it. Um, so when we think about like the in- inequities of of things like heart disease, you know, why are they dying more? Because maybe they're not getting the same care with doctors, you know, because they they don't necessarily go to the doctor. Um, and and I think I talked about this with another. Podcast. I did um, with another podcaster. Um, we gotta, we gotta talk. So check her out. Um, you know, they're not going to the doctors um, in the same amount of time, the same fashion, um, and we know that that's an issue. With and you know, we understand why, where that comes from, like the mistrust of the healthcare system. At a point, though, we do have to evolve, right, so that we don't necessarily have these equity issues. So that it comes on both sides where there has to be this evolution and understanding, like, I have to advocate for self first and take care of my health. At the same time, there needs to be, like, you know, when we as health, public health professionals, when we're talking about health promotion and prevention of disease and prolonging of life, there has to be a real and authentic way of engaging communities so that the message resonates with them and that it's relevant and they feel safe to engage, right? Because like, if I don't feel safe, then all of these behaviors and the things that plague the community are going to continue. And so I think like that's what we see. Like there's slow movement in places, but not as much as, as we would like to see, I would say, as health professionals. Like, you know, not as much as we would like to see, because if we did we wouldn't still be having a lot of the same conversations that we've been having from year to year to year. So, you know, I just wanted to like point that out. Like, you know, the all of these things, these risk factors and these negative health outcomes, they lead to another and that one leads to another and that one leads to another. And then we just like end up like in the same cycles. So like even in the health equity, we have to be equitable in even how we educate, you know? Not, there can't be like a blanket statement or message for communities and just because you translate it into a different language that's not going to cut it either you have to have people that look like them and we know this right like people have been making those moves but there's still some sort of disconnect where you know you don't necessarily see the movement as as quickly as possible like again because we have these same conversations every year (laughs) so yeah you know, I think about the um, the idea of education um, from from every vantage point, and we we always get back to educating and sharing information, particularly with not just our youth, right, but also our elders, um, because it's almost as if we have to always think about who's being preyed upon, and then make sure they have enough information to know when it's happening. Um, and we know that our, our youth and our elderly population are usually the two, the two domains that tend to, to experience that. So when you think about, you know, selling the homes, um, and I know Nishka gave the example of what happened in Harlem, it happened in Brooklyn as well. Um, there's this, unfortunately, 
we, the middle, that middle group, right? The young adults, we lose value and investment in those homes and in those communities. And we think that there's something better somewhere else, you know, so we move far away or we shift to another state. Um, But our elders are there maintaining until they can't anymore. And then that's when the offers come in. And one by one, the community is gobbled up. And, you know, so it's really about understanding the value and educating. If we don't do those things, then this then this continues to be the dialogue that we have. Um, when we begin to come together and have talks like this and share information, um, it's in an effort to it's in an effort to empower. We got. Oh, no. Okay, well, she'll come back. Um, But yeah, like, um, let me just like keep it moving. So um, as she said, I I agree. It's in an effort to empower. And I think like, you know, one thing, we'll wait till she gets back, like for her to finish her point. But when we think about um, community, like the first thing that came to mind is community. And, you know, this is Sue Health Live. And we, there's not been one show where we don't bring up the issue of community because we're going to drill it into everybody's head. Community, community, community. (laughs) It, It is something that we definitely have to, um, establish and maintain. And I say establish because I think a lot of the times, like we're moving in this space where we think we have community. You know, I hear a lot of people talk like when they're like, yeah, we got to do this for the community. What community? What mm-hmm. community really have community when in, within the same communities, people are trying to kill each other. I'm sorry, but that's not a community. Um, I know the culture that I lead and live, the life that I live, you know, we have strict um guidelines it's like we don't kill one another we are Mm -hmm. like community is also like your your larger family the insular and nuclear family like within the home is just a microcosm of the larger community which is a larger piece of family so like you don't kill one another so if those things are still happening in communities then you have to really take a step back and think like is it really a community Right. So then we go into like, you know, when we see elders being preyed upon by like sharks, housing sharks, real estate sharks, whatever, um, developers, you know, who is it that's going in to help and advocate for them? You know, who's doing? Mm -hmm. Are we doing that? You know, we're not, you know, and maybe some people are, which is a great thing. But if it's not happening in mass, then there's not necessarily like a lot of change that we're going to see. Um, with um, that happening. So I think, um, yes, and we are back. Uh, welcome back. Like, you know, whatever. We have, <laughs> we're in, we in the technology age and like things happen. So we're just going to keep it moving. Um, so um, you were talking about like the elders and, um, you know, uh, when they're leaving their houses and um, like, I guess when those sharks go prey upon them, they're like, okay, we're going to go. And that's how they move in. Um, so, you know, if you know, picked it back up and we kind of just kind of veered into community. Cause I'm like, I think this is where she's going with it. Like, you know, how this is where we have, we have to make examples of community establishing and maintaining and like being very clear about what that is. Absolutely. That was it. exactly. And, you know, I'm going to assume that, you know, my computer didn't want me to get out the message, but yes, it's about, you know, understanding what community is. Um, you know, it's important for us to to gain knowledge, but we have to be rooted in a value system. 
And so oftentimes we don't have true community. And so then we think everything that's valuable is outside of our rooting, right? Our footing um, or our foundation. And we sometimes discover after the fact, you know, after our loved ones have sold, you know, we sometimes have sold their homes or sold their land. I've, I've heard given in some examples. And it's like, we have to understand how important these things are. One for the bloodline, as Anishka touched on, but also for, for legacy building. Um, yeah. And in having that community, it, you're so less stressed out because you're working together towards a common mission um, and, and vision. So yeah, that that was where I was heading. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad you touched on that and geared it back to community. Since this is true life, <laughs> true health life, I'm, I'm gonna gear it back like a little. Like we talk about, you know, community and that, that we've all been saying, you have to be able to identify what community is. Me, I feel that community starts at home, right? On a clean slate, on your foundation. What we do in our homes as adults and teaching our children, that's when the sense of community starts, right? So we are not to hurt each other. Don't be envious of one another, right? We're, we're a unit here. We uplift each other. We encourage each other. We empower one another. If I can help you, I'm going to help you. Where you lack and I excel, we're going to make a perfect match, vice versa, right? All that teaching, all the value and the morals, all of that goes into us as a family first, right? No matter what our family dynamics are, right? It could be a blended family, whatever the case may be. When you have that in you and it starts at home, you can then identify a larger community. Like my neighbor is part of my community, right? Um, and that's when the mentality goes like, the same way I'm not gonna hurt my brother and sister within my home, I'm not gonna hurt my neighbor right? I'm going to help my neighbor elevate and they're going to look out for me in the same way. And I know back in the days we had that and now it's a little, it's a, it's a lot more difficult to have that now. But the more we build our foundation in that way, the more our kids, right, can take that out in the world with them and carry that on. So it's helping my neighbor. We're not going to kill each other because this is my community and each one teach one. If I do well, we all do well, because I'm going to show you how I did it. You're going to show me how I do it, how you did it. And if I need help, I know who to, who to um, lean on to help me do that. And one great example I have, because someone, one of my community partners and I were talking, and she, she's, she's older, and, but she is um, a pioneer in the community. And she was like, you know, back in the days when I was sick, you know, the lady down the block, she worked on the corner store. She owned a, like a bodega or something, if I'm not mistaken. She watched my daughter while I was sick. And she knew her so well from the community and everything she was doing. And, you know, um, that when she got sick, she was able to help her. And it was a trusting environment. It was trust there. It was um, family there, right? And this is not someone who's part of her nucleus. It's her neighbor, right? Slash her sister. Um, and so community becomes family. So that's why I emphasize what we are taught in our households, we carry on in life. And so if you want to lead by example, and you want your children to carry on, then the foundation you lay, the things you practice in your home will then go out into the world. And then your community is is even getting enlarged. 
and the actions within the home will get replicated, right? And that's how you start building outside of the home. And that's how you create unity um, and people working together, right? Um, And so like, if I see my elder neighbor who's 70 years old, needs to get to a doctor or can't navigate through telemedicine slash telehealth, I can step in and do that, right? Or if I see, you know, that they're stressed out and I, I can, I can, if I see them on a day-to-day basis and then one day something looks off, I'm able to identify that. I can then kind of intervene in a, you know, respectful way to say, you know, I think something looks different. What, let, let's check this out. Let's see what's going on. You know, rather be an elder or, or, or not, but that's to me, that's part of community. That's being able to step in and step up when your fellow brother and sister are down or they can't help themselves, you can lend a hand to help in every aspect. You can help in education. If they can't, if the kids are still are on um, Zoom and they're like, you know, they're doing the online um, for school and the parent is not so, you know, so fluent with the technology, you can step in and help, right? It's all these different things. It can go into education. It can go into all the uh, the environments, as I call them. Like, so it could go social, education, economics, healthcare, and food. I have them written down. That's what I'm looking over. <laughs> um, but we can help one another, right? We can definitely help one another um, and create and have a holistic community where it's mm-hmm. not backstabbing, where it's not like I'm envious and I'm going to set you up type of thing. But that's uh, that comes from heart and mind. I feel and how and how you take your the smaller community, which is your home your household, how you how you move there, I think will then indicate how you're gonna move in your larger community with your neighbors and so forth. Yeah. It's like being in tune with the community, right? Mm-hmm. And then to identify like where the partnerships are. Who are the influential people that will help us like band together in the spaces that we need to to kind of get what we need to make sure that we can all function properly. Yeah. Right. And knowing how to start those conversations, like with yep. the, in partnership, right? Um, and not only talk about it, but be about it. So you can't just go like this and it sounds good. It all sounds good, but you have to hit the pavement and do that work. And as you do that, you're making impact, you're making change, and you don't keep it all for yourself. You teach the next person how to do the same, you know, and sustain sustain it, if not get make it greater than that, because it's never going to end. We all know that the inequities are not going to end if we don't stay 10 toes down and stay focused on it. When we are holding people accountable and we are making th- these impacts and it's positive impact, we need to thrive, c- continue to strive through that. And, and as we thrive, it's going to cause change. But we need to make sure we're tr- we have others with us that are coming along and doing the same thing, um, if not doing more in yeah. our absence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree, right? I think when you take one, what you spoke to initially, which is family, right? What does what the core look like? Um, is there balance and health and equity there? Uh, does everyone have a role and a vision and a mission within that family? And then how do you take that, as Sister Deidre said, and um, make sure that you are in tune with the needs of your community? What is your community um, and what does it need? Because if if we're all on, you know, this, a similar block, since we're sticking with this idea of like health equity 
um, and gentrification, because this is pretty much where we've gone with the dialogue, um, do you have a, a community board, right? Who's representing what's happening? Are you taking your little backyard or front yard garden and finding a space to clean up and make a community garden? Perhaps it starts there. You know, it's not necessarily always about a talk or a lesson or a class. Um, it's really, like you said, it's about being about it, you know, not necessarily talking about it, but really walking that walk and being an example and then sticking with what what you're doing so that people see the longevity and the value of being committed to it, um, which then creates a greater value for your community and your neighborhood. Um, those who intend to kind of ensure that you don't have the services that you need will realize that you're unified and that you will advocate for yourself and, and have the access to the services you need. If you can't get a doctor's appointment because it takes two months for you to see a specialist, why is that? You know, why, why, why would that be the case? And how do you speak up for yourself and ensure that people appreciate that providers appreciate that there's value in this community. Um, mm -hmm. And we shouldn't have to travel down yonder in order to receive equitable care. Um, so yeah, definitely community is, is, is paramount to getting yeah. to health equity. Yeah. Yeah, because I think when you have that community, you create those pillars and a foundation that you talked about. And if it's a, when you have those foundations, and it's maybe family, um, you know, and all the other things. You have your families, you have your housing, you have all the things that you need. And that's what you can make the, you know, have that like power pack punch. And then you start advocating for yourself. Like if you're sitting inside of a larger construct. That's what you use when you have those pillars, those necessary pillars and that foundation. Then you start advocating for yourself um, to get, you know, what to, to make sure that you can maintain, you know, what what you need. And I always have to put like the advocacy piece in there because that's the, that's the world I come from. Like when we talk about, you know, we can't just, you know, as a good sister, my la 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 la. You know, we can't just like, you know, continue to talk. We have to do. We have to walk the walk the walk because there's all this information. And knowledge that we have, but unless we are doing right, you, you know, you have to manifest that knowledge and put it into action. Then we're not really going anywhere. Then what? Are, then what are we doing? Do we understand what's happening? Probably not. So we have to like kind of get the boots on the ground and like talk to the community, engage with those who are underserved, engage with those who are vulnerable, help them build those foundations and those pillars so that we can, you know, get things in motion. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, and all of this, you know, our conversation today was about health equity, but it can't just be, you know, we can't just like, we, we went over like, you know, well, equality is this and equity is that, but like, what are the, the things behind it? And that's really what the point of today's chat was about. Um, so like, if you're watching and you have questions, you know, definitely feel free to reach out to us. Um, and before we go, like, do any of you have anything else to add? Because we'll definitely, health equity is always going to be weaved into our conversations. But I thought it was nice to, like, you know, as, like, our first show after, like, in summer, to, like, you know, kind of give, like, a nice, like, refresher. Like, health equity, you know, let's let's talk about it. Let's give everybody a reminder. This is, like, what is weaved into the fabric of this show. Because that's, you know, that's the truth. Um, so as you're watching, if you're joining afterwards, you know, definitely feel free to make comments. Um, you know, if you want to suggest a show, 
you can reach out to us. Our information is in the description box down below. Make sure you hit that button to like, share, subscribe. But before we go, ladies, do you have anything else to add? Sure. I, I always like to leave with a little bit of a charge, right? Because it's easy in this age of technology to kind of watch us and, and hear us and see us. And, and then the question is, well, what do you do with the information? Um, and so I just want to kind of go back to what I opened with uh, as it pertains to social determinants or health. This is really important. This is almost like you do, you know, a self-assessment at times to determine, well, do you have the precursors for a depression? Do you have precursors for hypertension? Um, do an assessment of your family. Where do you stand with housing sustainability, right? Where do you stand with food, um, transportation, uh, your, your work or your economic standing? And then those are just a few of the areas. And then consider your family, your, your, your nuclear, you know, go outside of your nuclear family to your extended family. And then consider your neighbors or the folks that you consider your sister friends or your loved ones. Where do they stand? Because when you do that assessment, you'll be able to identify like, oh man, you know what? If this happens, I can only make it for 60 days. She can only make it from perhaps 30. Um, and what does that mean? And how can you help prepare and have that discussion because those are the discussions that we need to have in order to really be united as a community um, because you're only as strong as your weakest link. So just wanted to leave with that. Mm -hmm. That was awesome, Precious. <laughs> so I don't think it's much more, but all I just want to say is, you know, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And so we know these um, inequities are there. We, we have a long way to go. So speak up. Um, speak up. And if you have it in you to speak up for others as well, please do so because there's some voices that aren't being heard. And if you're one of those people that are boisterous and strong and confident um, and advocate for um, equity, then you do it for yourselves and you do it for that neighbor as well. Mm -hmm. So there we have it. So we're talking about making sure we have family, establish community, establish and maintain community. And then advocacy, advocacy, advocate, advocate for self and community. Um, right. <laughs> so with that, we're going to end our show. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back on July 11th. Make sure you catch us. Uh, we'll be going into maternal health and Alia will be joining us and we'll be talking about moms and what it's like to come back to work or work with newborns and and just that maternal aspect also in the month of july we'll be having interviews with doulas so it'll be awesome 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 sauce so um that's our show for today thank you for joining true health live and we will be back in july and we'll see you in the forward peace everyone Thank you for joining us here at True Health Live. Remember to like, save, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment and send an email if there's a topic if you want to discuss. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at True Health Live. You can also listen on DeidreSully.com. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss or hear, you can send an email to truehealthlive at gmail.com. See you next time.